Welcome back to Second Look. Today's podcast episode is the latest in the Equipping the Saints series. Today we'll hear from Pastor Josh Preston and Senior Pastor George Robertson on what it looks like to have a biblical mindset going into the election season. Listen in for a conversation about the difficulties and importance of seeking justice, mercy, and faithfulness in the political enterprise of our country. Hey, I'm Josh Preston. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm here with George Robertson, our senior pastor, and uh, this is Equipping the Saints, a video and podcast series, and our goal with this is to equip you to engage with various issues and challenges that you face in your daily life, um, to engage those head-on with a, a biblical world and life view uh, in the various callings where uh, the Lord has, has called you. In our last video, we discussed a uh, unique challenge or tension that we've been wrestling with here in Memphis as of late um, that we find from Jeremiah 29 that we're called to seek the peace or the shalom of the city. And lately that's felt uh, honestly much more challenging because of a rise in violence, violent crime. And so one of the things that George reminded us of as we discussed that is that the Christian life is a matter of calling from the Lord. And the way God typically calls us people is to say, I want you to come follow me in this particular place. And so calling was a big way that we frame that. It's another way that we want to help frame the topic we're talking about today, which is um, another uh, tension, you might say, that we're wrestling with. And that is, is that we are uh, about to engage in another election season. And so we're uh, wrestling with this tension of faithfully following Jesus and neither becoming too emotionally invested in the, um, the topics that will be at the forefront of the public discourse in the coming months and year, um, but also not totally disengaging, but engaging in a, a helpful and biblical and gracious way. Uh, another thing that George reminded us of last time we spoke is that as long as we're living in a fallen world, we'll always be living in tension. So we must wrestle with Scripture and how it applies in each season. And so that's what we want to do um, today. And so, George, maybe we could start kind of at a big picture level. And uh, as we think about calling in this particular topic of, uh, of politics, the election and all these ethical issues that we'll be talking about a lot. Um, one of the most helpful things for me uh, in thinking about calling is thinking about it in the context of the bigger story of which we're a part. You can't really know what it is you're supposed to do and what you're called to unless you know of what, what story you're a part of. And so I wonder if you could um, maybe help us to start by helping us to see how that, that bigger story, that meta-narrative we get in the Scripture, helps shape the way we engage with uh, politics, the election season, etc. That is a, a wise place to start. And traditionally in, in theology, we talk about you, you can organize all of history and as it is captured in Scripture with creation, fall, redemption, consummation. So God spoke everything into, into being. There was a fall. 
sin has uh, entered into this world through the deception of the evil one and the temptation of our first parents. And, and then God said, that's going to affect everything. And there's going to be this, there's, there's going to be this cosmic as well as historical battle for the rest of history. The, the, the serpent will strike against the heel of the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman will eventually crush his head. And that's the struggle we see throughout scripture. Um, God's redemptive plan of putting back together what has been broken and the devil fighting that every bit of the way. And the, the rest of scripture unpacks that struggle until, and, 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 until the coming of Christ, when he comes to bring the kingdom of God into this world. Not that it wasn't there before, but he's, he's personifying the kingship of God in the creation. And he's saying, now I'm going to expedite the unveiling of the rule of God, the, the, the good kingdom of God in this world more perfectly, more realistically than ever before Christ died and was resurrected and now reigns at the right hand of the father to bring that consummation, the, the end of all things where he puts all of his enemies under his feet and uh, rules and reigns perfectly judging all evil and extinguishing it forever. What we call the consummation It's found in, in revelation. When we studied revelation at second prayers, I just kept that, mantra going, Jesus wins, Jesus wins, Jesus wins. There's, there's going to be lots of battles. There's going to be lots of blood shed, uh, literally and physically. There's going to be lots of suffering, but the, we already know the end of the story. Jesus wins. <clears throat> so it's really important to, to keep, like you said, to keep that story in mind. It's also important to, to put governments and systems in perspective, especially in times like uh, election seasons. It's helpful to remember that line in Handel's Messiah and the Hallelujah Chorus from, from Revelation 11, the kingdoms of this world, uh, the kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. That, Christ is going to, no matter what kingdom is ascendant now, it will not be then. Uh, and uh, God raises up rulers, he brings them down. He raises up nations, he brings them down, Isaiah 40. We're grateful for this nation. We're grateful for this country we're a part of. But it is not the kingdom of God and will not be. And will certainly not be a kingdom uh, when Christ returns. It will be submissive to him. Uh, in these seasons, I also remember a, 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 the famous line by uh, Chuck Colson, founder of Prison Fellowship. He'd served in the Nixon administration, became a Christian. Chuck Colson was speaking at some kind of, maybe he's a Christian broadcaster's uh, convention or something, but the President Reagan at the time was going to make an appearance, and um, P. 
people were all amped up and ready and, and eager for the president to arrive. And Colson said, is very unpopular with the right wing at the time, but Colson said, the kingdom of God does not arrive on Air Force One. And uh, it's, it's very helpful to keep in mind while we can be grateful for our country, we should be involved in uh, as, as citizens in the, the political enterprise as good citizens. Our enduring and eternal citizenship is in the kingdom of God, and thank goodness it is, because that's the only kingdom that's going to succeed ultimately. It's a great starting point. Makes me think of that identity that Peter gives us in his first letter of elect exiles, where we get to look at the world standing back in a way, but also we're elect and we're chosen for a purpose to engage intentionally with the um, the nation of which the Lord has made us citizens. So let's drill down into that just a little bit more um, specifically. You know, some of these issues that are going to inevitably come to the surface of the public discourse are uh, are challenging ones. Um, you know, I think about abortion, Im immigration and gun control, health care, just to name a few. And there are going to be opinions on all ends of the spectrum that we're going to hear espoused uh, over the media. And, you know, sometimes for us as Christians, we can get a little bit overwhelmed in thinking, do I have to be a biblical scholar to be able to really answer these questions? Because they're by no means simple. And um, I guess first I would want to say they're not simple for us as pastors either, things that we have to wrestle with. Um, but as we've talked, you have helped to give me some categories that make it feel much more accessible and much easier to engage with a biblical mind about these things rather than getting pulled one direction or the other. Could you help just kind of give us some of those categories and how they might apply? Yeah, they... Uh... I was I was really encouraged uh, today coming into the office, and one of our uh, members uh, stopped me and and said, uh, "I I need to make an appointment with you eventually because I want to I have an opinion about this issue and culture, but I I want to get from my pastor." A biblical perspective on it to make sure that I have an opinion, but I want to make sure my opinion is biblical. And if it's not, I want to change it. I said, oh, I wish. I, I love that kind of, she was sort of apologetic, you know, I know I should know this. I said, no, I love, this is just the kind of thing pastors love to hear. Someone who wants to think with a Christian mind. And like you said, uh, in a, in a world that seems to be full of so-called experts, uh, an ordinary, a, a lay Christian can think, I, I don't even have a, a, a right to express myself because I'm not a biblical scholar. But it's not, that, that isn't necessary. It, it's important to know your Bible, but to be a biblical scholar is not essential. The first thing to remember, the very first thing to remember is the promise that God has made to us in uh, places like Hebrews 12, that I mean, uh, Romans 12, 
that He's given us a, a renewed mind. He is renewing our mind. And the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit's job, is renewing our mind. And uh, as you're reading Scripture, as you're worshiping, as you're fellowshipping with other Christians, the Holy Spirit is retooling your mind, and you are thinking thoughts that are after God. Uh, used to tell my kids when they were younger, you know more than you think you do. And that's a gift from the Lord. So that's the first ennoble Christians to say, you, have, you are getting a renewed mind. <clears throat> but we need some, uh, I think it's helpful to have some, some basic thought pegs to, to organize our thinking about ethical subjects. And I, I've really been helped by the, the, the man who taught ethics to me in seminary. It was the late uh, David Jones from Covenant Seminary. And in his book, Biblical Christian Ethics, he, he uh, discusses the three forms of love. That if, if the greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself, then there are, then the, that pursuing of love to your neighbor uh, is always pursuing love to God and neighbor, that's our ultimate goal. That should be the, the, the organizing principle to every thought we have about every subject. Then he said, the, the Bible, Jesus in particular, gives us even more definition or formation to that idea that we are called to love. Love God, love people. And he said, Jesus explained it in Matthew 23 when he said um, about the Pharisees, you, <clears throat> you're good at tithing your, your spices and, and things like that. And, and basically, that's a good idea. It's just it's to say that everything that you own, a portion of it, I mean, it, it belongs to the Lord. I want to I give to the Lord. But... You, you, you're majoring on the, those are minor issues, whether or not to how you tithe your mint and your cumin. The major issue is you, you neglect the major issues, and the major issues, or the weightier matters of the law, he calls them, are justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And those three words occur over and over in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Justice in the Bible is to give each person his due. And, and how do you determine what is due to a person? Well, you understand that person according to Scripture. They're made in the image of God. And they're called to fulfill a purpose. So we're called to, to give every human being the honor, the dignity, the basic supplies that they are they are owed they are due um, food shelter clothing protection sustenance all of those things that are that are promised that are provided for for a human being made in the image of God as well as the opportunity to 
pursue the gathering of those things and fulfill one's uh, human calling. So it's to give each image bearer his due and or her due and and for them to be able to fulfill their calling. Justice. Mercy is uh, undeserved, uh, incalculable, unexpected, maybe even unowed love. One Old Testament scholar says it's always surprising. Mercy is surprising. Then faithfulness is loyalty. It's, it's covenant fidelity. It's, it's to walk with your God. It is, is regular obedience that comes out of the covenant. So <clears throat> we can unpack that uh, a little later, maybe in its implications. But if, if a Christian can just think, okay, I've, here's, this, here's this question in front of me, this cultural issue, this ethical concern, this person sitting in front of me with a need. I've got, I need to line up three, um, uh, three lights or three, uh, three orientation points. I don't have the right to camp on one of them to the exclusion of the other, but to think with a Christian mind, a biblical mind, to think like God, I need to ask three questions all at once. What does justice require? What is this person owed as a human being in the image of God pursuing his or her purpose? What is, what would mercy look like in this situation? And what is my, what is my, uh, what is loyalty to God in my relationship with God and loyalty to this fellow human being, especially a Christian? What are those required? Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Not everybody's going to get out on the other end. Not everyone's going to come up with the same strategy or same exact application point. But we're going to be a lot closer to each other. And we're certainly going to be a lot closer to where the Lord is working if we're asking, if we're passing our thoughts and our actions through those three funnels or filters, justice, mercy, faithfulness. Mm, yeah, that's really helpful. I've been, uh, I've been reading one writer who has been making the observation that we can often as people, uh, Christian or not, prioritize one to the exclusion of the other. One example he gives is all justice, all justice or all mercy, and he calls it diagonalization. And the one that marries those two concepts is the Lord's loving faithfulness. Really helpful categories for us mm, to that is good. line those up. Um, we, we wrap our heads around those. And I, I still admit sometimes it can feel a little bit like an academic exercise or purely an individualistic thing where we come to our own convictions. Uh, could you help us think about how we might apply those corporately and in our callings here in Memphis? Yeah, I, I think it may be helpful to think about it 
first in terms of a, a couple of of um, examples of people I've I've heard about or known who have that are good examples of approaching a really difficult subject, living in justice, mercy, and faithfulness all at the same time. So maybe some focusing examples, and then then we can talk about how applying it locally would look. All right. So one example is that I have a friend who's with ICE, Immigration Customs Enforcement Agent. And uh, we were talking shortly before Title 42 was to, to expire. And they were expecting, you know, the border to be crashed by people desperate to get into our country, uh, as well as others who might be a threat to Homeland Security and all that goes along with that. But he's a very strong Christian, and he had a whole, he had a whole lot of responsibility. He he uh, he was in the in the room with you know uh, all the high ranking people of the country looking at this issue. And I said, as a Christian, how do you how do you approach this issue that 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 everybody is arguing over, throwing spears at each other over, basing elections on, Christians dividing over, Christian, you know, f- people in the same family having shouting matches over this issue of immigration. And do you wall off the border? Do you build a wall? Do you let everybody in? Do you, in just a, f- in a, you know, a couple of paragraphs, he, he, he at least illustrated to me what every, the tension that every Christian should live in, like you, the words you used earlier, or this wrestling match that each of us must, must engage in as those who are citizens of another country and citizens of this country, of those who are in Christ's army and employed by by the state or a secular business. So without using the same words, he, he talked about, well, my responsibility, my sworn responsibility is to enforce the law. And there is a law, there are laws regarding, present laws regarding immigration. That's my sworn responsibility. If I can't carry out those laws, I have, I need to resign. But these are the laws and I am called to enforce them. And basically those laws are designed, the intention of those laws is to preserve uh, our, our integrity, the integrity of our borders while allowing those uh, fleeing adverse circumstances in other country to, to enter our country. Now, how they've worked out, in, that's, that's another thing, but that's what their purpose. So I said, I see, the, I see the rightness of that, the justice, there's justice. It's a just thing to protect the integrity of borders for the protection of human beings made in the image of God. 
Then as a, as a member, he said, of my local church, I, the mercy I've received in Jesus Christ obligates me to extend love and food and supplies and shelter uh, and health care to people who are here, whether they're legal or not. So it's mercy. Are they owed that? Well, as human beings, food, clothing, so, but he is, he's, um, he's not asking that question. He's not asking the legal question when he sees a human being in front of him at his church doorstep. They just, I'm just going to show them mercy. And then as a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, he's caught in this world of, <clears throat> I have a loyalty, a covenant loyalty to my God. And I am, he tells me, I am to be obedient to the one who is submissive to my authorities and also sub, and submissive to his laws. And if I can be submissive to my authorities and they're not contrary to submission to the laws of God, then I will live in that tension. But if I'm forced to choose between being submissive to what my God requires and what my authorities require, I will have to resign and follow the Lord first. And he was wrestling at the time with, I may be at that point of having to resign because he, didn't, he, he was very careful to avoid politics, but to say, what I, what I think God is requiring me to do toward my neighbor um, at some point may not line up with what I'm being required to do by my authorities. So um, I just thought that was a, a, a good example of, and, you know, if we had talked farther about, well, what, what is the, so what should be done about the border? We might have different opinions um, about, you know, what the most prudent thing to do about the border would be. But if we're both reaching our, our, if we're both thinking about justice, mercy, and faithfulness, our only, there may be slight degrees of difference in application, but what a human being is owed as an image bearer of God, what mercy can look like, what faithfulness to God's law versus man's law, we're, we, we shouldn't be that far apart. And it's also going to shape. If we come at it with that humility of, I'm wrestling before God. I'm in a fallen world in a very complex situation. I'm striving to know the mind and heart of God in this situation. It would change the, at least the attitude with which we come to, okay, now let's get down to brass tacks and say, what's going to be the best application? But typically what we do is to say, this is what the policy needs to be. This is what I want it to be. And then we 
we may read, read them back and, and grab some Bible verse that will support our opinion and then, you know, condemn any other person who disagrees with us, which is just what makes the, the news wealthy. News, it's, it's, it's polarization and anger and it's not going to be easy. And it's not as easy as we tend to, as we are tending to live these days. We are tending to see, a, see an issue on the news, read an issue in the news, feel the pressure that I've got to make a black and white decision immediately. I've got to be on one side or the other, and I'm going to dig in on that issue, and I'm only going to surround myself with people who are in agreement, and, uh, and I'm going to lambaste those who, who are not in agreement with me, and uh, there shouldn't be any tension. Once you make the decision, there's no tension. You're either in or out. That's not the way Christ called us to live. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness is a lot messier. Takes a lot more courage. And produces kingdom results that can't be so easily contained as the this-worldly approach to ethics that we typically have. Yeah, yeah. They sound a bit odd. One of the things that I notice when you share those examples is the difference in conjunctions. We, we usually say, this would be just, but this would be merciful. And as Christians, we're able to, instead of but, we can say and. This, can, this is, would be just, and this would be merciful. And those are married in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, George, thanks so much for taking the time to equip us on these issues. It's been uh, tremendously helpful for me, and I, I hope it'll be helpful for you all as well. Um, over the next several months, we're going to continue to press in deeper on these issues. Uh, we'll have another video in the coming months where we will press into uh, the topic of civility and, and how to engage with people with whom we might disagree in a very gracious way, Christ-like way. And, and then another thing that we're working on developing are different short articles where we take very particular issues like abortion, immigration, uh, etc., and apply these weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness to them to give you some practical examples not to impose on you a, a one way of thinking, but to give you examples of, of how we might practically apply Scripture to these issues. So thanks so much for joining us, and please be on the lookout for those resources.